Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hello, Susan. How are you this evening? Wet. Wet. Oh, wet. I was once... <laughs> very, very, very wet. I've been working all day long outside in the rain. 
Oh, my. It has been raining, raining, raining. Fortunately, it's warmish, so we're not, like, cold. But it's, but it's very, 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 very wet. It's very wet. Mm. Um, Asia, the apprentice, defected. She made up a story. <clears throat> oh. The usual story that somehow she was not being treated well. Oh, no. And, and it's true, you know, I do not treat victims well. Mm. Mm. And that victim part just, you know, gets furious and says, we got to get mm. out of here. we got to get out of here or the gig is up. Victims are, are, not, are not appreciated here. And, and that's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. So my really good luck wonderful woman, Linda Conroy, who now runs the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference and does a whole slew of herbal things and teaches and has a homestead and so on, trains apprentices and one of her apprentices came to the classes this weekend. She came to Digging Roots and she came to the class that I always like to call Winter Miseries, but my daughter doesn't allow me to call it that. It has to be like cold care or something, but I always think of it as Winter Miseries, you know. Mm-hmm. And the sinus infections, the bronchitis, the colds, the flu, the sniffles, the snorts, the coughs, the Winter Miseries, the cold sores, the all of that. Yeah. So, so I said to her, Yo, there's a lot of work to do, and, and Asia defected. Can you possibly help me? And she said, yes. So that's why we were working together today in the rain. Wow, so lovely. So she stayed beyond the weekend. Yes. Because I remember there's over 100 plants out there on the deck, some of them pretty big, and they all have to be stashed in the house or the greenhouse, depending on their tenderness, right? Yes. The clusterlilies and the the jasmine and the lemon tree, right? All of those have to come in the house. The elm trees and the chrysanthemums. There's, you know, some the chives and the lavender. That can all just be in the greenhouse. If it freezes a little, it freezes a little. It's okay. Mm. Wow. Very, very happy. For the help, uh, even in the rain, if it's going to rain on us, so be it. Um, and feeling more at ease, I was, you know, kind of figuratively biting my fingernails about, I can't believe you left your plants outside by the end of October. What are you, crazy woman? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have to say, it ran through my head last week when you were talking about the beautiful weather and sending the blessings that they were still on the deck enjoying being outside. Um, so I'm glad you got them in before any frost came, for sure. They're not even telling us to expect frost until next Monday. Oh, yay. You were way ahead then. The plants yes, got so ahead. ahead. Although it's crazy nice. that we're not having frost until November. What? When I moved here, our first frost date was mid-September. Wow. That's six weeks different. That's a lot. Oh, substantial. Yeah, yeah. So what have you been up to? 
Oh, uh, well, it's been nice times here. Definitely in the fall swing of things. I tried Kava Piper Mephisticum. was so lovely. Um, and vibed with a friend, and I prepared it after um, re-listening to the show, and um, it, it was it was lovely. And um, so that was one thing I've been up to, and I've been preparing a costume for a Halloween party. And um, <laughs> are you going to tell us about it? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, well, yeah, you know the veils are very thin right now this year, especially so. And I have just been delighting in making my costume. I've decided to really embrace um, the second part of my name, Ellen, and uh, Ellen of the Ways, or Ellen of the Host, uh, the reindeer goddess. There's not a whole lot known of her, um, but she was very in tune with the forests and the animals. And the animals are very in touch with the energy of the earth, and um, the earth communicates so um, magnificently with the animals and helps them set paths of where to travel, where to find water, where to find shelter. And Ellen of the Ways um, was very in touch with that. Uh, so she provided assistance both to humans and animals in those ways. And uh, so I've just, she's horned. She's a horned goddess and she has long red hair. So I got that part covered. <laughs> and okay. yeah, yeah, so I'm um, going to use some branches as horns and just uh, really trying to connect with my ancestral roots at the same time that I'm preparing my costume so that um, anything that wants to come through and anyone who catches sight and maybe has a remembrance of their own can, um, you know, remember anything that shakes in their bones or their blood, even if they don't know who they're looking at. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah. Wow, neat. Totally mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I, I hear you about the veil being especially thin, that this is always um, what is said to be happening at the end of October is that there's this sense of um, death being near. And that's partly from the what we're doing, what we're taking everything in. We're shutting down for the season things. We see the trees dropping their leaves. And, of course, in a herding culture where the animals are domesticated, this is the time when you have to look and see how much fodder have you gathered, how much hay is there in the barn, and how many animals can you get in health through the winter and give death to the ones that you can't feed through the winter. So death is really a part of this season. The weather has gotten cold enough. Our local farming families generally did their giving death of the yearling cow and a pig or two that had grown to the right size on Thanksgiving weekend. The family would come together, give death to the appropriate animals, have a big feast, then work like crazy Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, getting it all prepared for the freezer and for whatever they were going to 
preserve it. Mm. And of course, as you're saying, and as we all know and feel, um, the past years, 2020 and 2021, have seen virtually everyone lose someone close to them to COVID. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how can we not all want to reach out to them and to include them and to include them in whatever we celebrate at this turning of the wheel? We feel it. Suddenly it's dark. Suddenly you wake up and you think, oh, I must have woken up so early. It's hardly light out. And then you realize, no. The sun isn't coming up at late time. Yeah. 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 The dark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making that offering to all of us Mm -hmm. to remember and to uh, reach out, right? November 1st, the Day of the Dead. When we leave um, food in gratitude for those who've gone before us, as we do in Moon Lodge, right, where we sit in age order and we close our eyes and then we look around when we open our eyes to the younger, younger, younger sitting in the circle and imagine younger ones yet spiraling inside and know that, that that's what we've come from. And then coming back to closed eyes and then opening them and looking to the right and looking older, older. And the older ones outside the circle who aren't in the circle, the mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, the ancestors and the ancient ones. And then that knowledge that that's the path you're on and you will become Mm. an ancestor. Mm. So powerful. Yeah. Keep remembering. Possibly. Thank you. Great, great turning. Turnings of our lives and the turnings of the seasons. We have, as always, an interesting guest who's going to be with us tonight, and that is Tori Hartman, a world-renowned author, spiritual teacher, and intuitive soul who was raised in the free-thinking atmosphere of New York's Greenwich Village in the 60s. She's going to tell you about her Chakra Wisdom Oracle cards, her Chakra Wisdom Oracle toolkit, and her books. I've called, of course, Chakra Wisdom Oracle cards and lots more as well. So stick with us until 9 o'clock or come back then and you can hear what Tori Hartman has to say. Has anybody called in with any questions for us tonight? Yes, we have several callers on the line and two have queued up by pressing one to signal that they have a question. I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question tonight for Susan, please do press one so that line yourself up in the queue. Our first caller is calling from the 703 area code. From the 703, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hello there. Hi. Hi, Susan. This is... I called a few weeks ago and talked to you, and really your advice 
about my osteoporosis I have, and you told me start doing the um, the infusions: comfrey, linden, nettle, otestro, and red clover. Yes. So I start doing that. Yes, thank you. I start doing that. The only one I have problem is comfrey. Comfrey, I, I also I've I went uh, ordered all of them from Amazon. The Amazon is. Uh, when I went to the review, they said comfrey is for the, um, not for drinking, it's for, you put it on the... You can skin. believe that if you want to, or you can believe my 50 years of experience, your choice. Yeah, I, I made it infusion. But let me, put, let me put it this way. When my mm-hmm. only daughter was pregnant mm-hmm. with my only grandchild, I mm-hmm. encouraged her to drink comfrey infusion. Yes. Do you think I would do yes. that if I had the slightest doubt about the safety? No, that's true. I wanted to, you know, talk to you. I understand, and the comfrey that I buy says not for human consumption. It's absolutely yes. true, and I totally ignore that. Because you know what? I would mm-hmm. bet. Do you drive? Do you drive a car? Yes. You do drive a car? Yes. I do drive a car. Can you honestly tell me you have never exceeded the speed limit? I do sometimes. <laughs> so all yes. out there, you've already broken the law. Yes. So drinking comfrey when it says not for human consumption is a pretty minor infraction compared to speeding, isn't it? Yes. So the thing is, it's literally... And again, uh, I mm-hmm. understand. People are afraid... So far as I can tell, this is a completely unnecessary fear. And I don't know if you've been listening to the show, but I went up um, a couple of weeks ago to visit Mm -hmm. a man who has a comfrey farm uh, to Mm -hmm. encourage him to put on a comfrey conference. Mm -hmm. I had just been listening to David Hoffman talk about the fact that supposedly poisonous, toxic alkaloids in comfrey, which are pyrolyzodines, um, so far as he can determine, um, are completely non-reactive in the human body. It's kind of like saying that apple seeds contain cyanide, which is true. But when was the last time that stopped you from eating an apple? No. You know what? A lot of medicine has a lot of psychedelics people taking. If you look at this way, um, you know, the medicine has a lot of side effects. Um, Exactly. Exactly. Well, I will also tell you that my sweetheart, who drinks Mm -hmm. a lot of comfrey, and let's say, let's count it out. We have five infusions we're rotating through, so in 30 days, that's six quarts of comfrey he's drinking. So over Mm -hmm. 12 months, that would be Mm -hmm. 72 quarts of comfrey that he's drinking. Right now, 80 quarts of comfrey is 20 gallons. Yes. So So he's drinking almost 20 gallons of comfrey leaf infusion a year for the past 20 years. And because of some other things that are going on with him, he has a regular analysis done of his liver function and his Mm -hmm. liver always appears to be functioning at um, a level that is far younger than his actual biological age. In other words, his liver is strong and healthy. 
So I would certainly think in someone who's drinking 20 gallons of comfort relief infusion a year for 20 years, if there was going to be any damage, we'd see it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, can I do the, the comfort relief test different from London? The others, I can uh, drink them, uh, you know, regularly. But the thing is, with the comfort relief test, let's have a different. Can I dilute it with the water? When I'm drinking. Of course, you can dilute it with anything. You can dilute it with fruit juice or water or bourbon. Oh, okay. Okay. Anything Great. you want to Thank put you. in it. Once it's brewed sure. up, you can put it in there. What I find is helpful with the comfrey. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your favorite mint? mint Lemon balm? Uh, rosemary? Peppermint? All of the mint because I grow them in my yard. But all which one them. is your favorite? Uh, peppermint. Peppermint. So I bet you have some dried peppermint, yes? Yes, I do. I dry them myself. So when you make your comfrey infusion, I want you to put two or three leaves, even as much as one stalk of peppermint in, but no more. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, think that okay. that will, I think that will change the flavor of the comfrey enough for you. Sure, sure. I because what that. I find is that the comfrey is both slippery and drying. Mm-hmm. And that's very confusing to the tongue. And in yeah. fact, diluting it makes that worse. Mm-hmm. But adding a little uh, hint of whatever mint you like. Yes, I do during Lent, no problem. Yeah, so, the, so that little bit of mint in the comfrey mm-hmm. uh, just makes it easier to drink. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I have another question. Give that a try. And yes, you can dilute it, but I don't necessarily think it's going to do what you want it to do. Are you drinking it cold or are you drinking it hot? Not hot. Warm or cold. Okay. You know, it's totally up to you. But as far as I'm concerned, warm is yuck. I like if I'm going to have my comfort infusion hot. I want it super hot, and I want some honey mm-hmm. in it. Oh, okay. Wow, and I get a cup of hot comfrey infusion on a cold day with some honey in it. My whole respiratory system says, thank you, Susan. Thank you so much for this. You know what I do? I take it because I put them in the, I have a jar. Every morning I take it from refrigerator, any any drink, and I put them in the jar and take it to my book. And it's closed it's, while it's still cold one hour or two hours after I got in the work. Because usually yes. I'm at work at 7.30 in the morning, I drink it. I don't want it. I it's just wonderful. drink it cold. <laughs> it's it's yeah. wonderful. And what I do, if I'm taking it to work with me and I want it hot, is I put it in the thermos. Uh, so I thought maybe if I put it in the outside of the refrigerator for a long time, it loses its uh, benefit if I warm it. But it can't lose its benefit, but it can spoil. Oh, okay, okay. So, how could you treat a piece of chicken where you would lose the benefit of the chicken? Yeah, you're right. Protein is protein. You're not going to lose them. Once you've extracted the protein into the infusion, other things can eat it, but you can't really lose it. The same thing with minerals. You can't lose minerals. You can lose a ring, but you can't lose minerals. Right? Minerals are, are irreducible. Yes. The amount of minerals on the planet is the amount of minerals on the planet, plus or minus a little bit from meteors. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? yeah, and and you. again, so you can't lose them. Yeah. And the important vitamins, which are carotenes mm-hmm. um, and vitamin K, are very stable. Mm-hmm. 
it is better to refrigerate it. And usually if I take infusion with me, I do take it either hot in a thermos or iced in a thermos Mm -hmm. so that it stays cold. I do have thermos, but I can use it to make it hot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, especially as the weather gets colder. It's so nice. Yes. And not necessarily all of them. I don't like nettle hot, but the comfrey... Mm -hmm especially since we were talking about that and that you were having a little bit of a difficulty with that. I especially mm-hmm. like that hot. Okay. In fact, that's what I was drinking today was hot comfrey with some honey in it. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I have another question. I am, I am 57 years old. My mom and my dad, both of them, my dad is, uh, my mom at the age of 79 died from a stroke and heart disease. She had to have a pacemaker for 15 years. My dad also had a stroke but survived. My brother, who's younger than me, had a stroke and survived. And uh, my cousins, uh, well, I did test it myself. I have the gene. They told me I have the gene for the heart disease and a stroke, both of them. I have the gene. So my doctor recommended me to take aspirin, baby aspirin. The thing is, my mom had a severe allergy reaction to baby aspirin, the aspirin. She couldn't take it. But my dad it's funny, I was, just talk, I was just talking to a, an MD the other day, and we were both mm-hmm. wondering how long it was going to take before doctors stopped telling people to take aspirin. The idea mm-hmm. is fairly interesting, not bad idea, that aspirin thins mm-hmm. the blood, and a stroke is a clot in the blood, so since the aspirin's somewhat safe, it could be safe, especially if you took a little bit of it, um, every day to prevent a stroke. But since it's been recommended for a fairly long time now, we have some really good statistics, and we can see that more people die from internal bleeds caused by the aspirin yes. than would have died from strokes. Yes, that's what I heard. That you know. What In other words, yeah. my suggestion is that you don't, and your doctor is just out of date. Just out of date. What to do? I'm Ten years sorry, from now, do? doctors would would will be horrified that anybody took aspirin on a daily basis, especially to prevent stroke. Having a gene is pretty meaningless. Do you know about epigenetics? Yeah, the genetic not my okay. test. So epige- epigenetics means that even if you have a gene, that gene doesn't necessarily get turned on. One of the examples that's used, and I think it's a lovely example, is a brother and a sister Mm -hmm. from the same family. Both had the gene for Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. She, Mm -hmm. to to take care of herself, moved her body, ate well, right, had, you know, strong relationships, lived to 97, never had any cognitive impairment. He acted like a normal American, ate the standard American diet, that's S-A-D, and it is sad, right? A really exercised mm-hmm. his thumb, pushing the remote button on the TV, and was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in his early 70s. Okay. So uh, that's what it's I told up to you whether or not yeah. those genes are turned on. Okay. And okay. aspirin... So I- is not a magic pill that's going to keep the gene from turning on. As a no, matter of I, fact, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah, you have some 
activity, what my sweetheart calls physical culture, oh, on a daily basis. Oh, my goodness. Every day I do exercise. Wonderful. I'm a physical therapist. You, you I'm a back off, all day. That box off and say, I don't have to worry about that. I bet your brother who had a stroke didn't. No, my, do- my brother was very, very overweight. I am very right. skinny. I cannot gain weight. Don't <laughs> compare yourself anyway. to that. Yes. And another thing is... Don't put yourself in the same box with that. And sure, I, bet you, sure. I bet you eat a pretty good diet. Yeah, I do a pretty good diet. I exercise. The only thing is I worry a lot. In uh, the middle of the night, I wake up, I worry, and I try to work with the yoga and breathing. Um, exercise every day I do. Um, uh, and what do you do in the middle of the night? Well, I'll pray a lot. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I cannot... Oh, you wake up in the middle of the night. I got it. I didn't hear the verb. Yeah, yeah, book up. You know what? I, I'm you not worried about that, so what, I go to bed. What I find is um, you said that you were 55? 57. 57. Oh, my blood pressure. Yeah, no high blood pressure, nothing. The only thing that I have wonderful, to do is the process. So the first thing I waking up in the middle of the night when they don't want to is to, um, before you go to sleep, uh, do some kind of warming exercise or take a warm bath. I do. Bringing your core temperature will keep you asleep. Make the temperature. You can even cool. take a hot bath. I don't don't mean to say you can take. You could take a bath as hot as you want. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be for long. Just enough to get your mm-hmm. internal temperature up, oh. and that can mm-hmm. that can often help you sleep through the night. Thank you, because I really want to go naturally. I don't want to even I. You are. And you're doing great. You're doing great by your bones. You're drinking your nourishing herbal infusions. You're exercising eating some good quality yeah. yogurt, you're eating well-cooked mm-hmm. food. It's a recipe for yeah. success. Yes, thank you very, very much. And I'm coming from a culture where do a lot of vegetables, uh, cook vegetables. So thank you yes. very much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, and at this time we have two callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question our next caller is coming from the nine or the two five two area code. From the two five two, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Jennifer in Eastern North Carolina. Um, calling. Hi, Jennifer. Calling. Hi. Um, I was calling with a question about an animal we had talked about earlier in the year, but I'm going to pause on the comfrey if that's okay. Um, I'm going to do a Please. testimonial. I um, I'm I'm growing comfrey. I was given plant root cuttings or you know, dug plants by friends, um, two friends, and one gave me a non-seeding variety and one gave me a seeding variety. So um, I've had to learn to love comfrey in a seeding variety. And a couple of things I've learned is they're really good animal food. Um, My chickens eat them and um, sheep really get a lot of protein out of it. So um, it was suggested by my sheep mentor that I dry comfrey and feed it to the sheep through the winter. And so in addition to infusions, if you have a lot of comfrey that's spreading everywhere, sometimes in a farm setting, it's actually an okay thing. And I'm making the best of that. Um, but what happened to me the other night, um, I, I twisted an ankle um, and, and I landed hard on the left side of my foot. 
and it was pretty serious. Um, you know, I've got pooling blood all around the bottom of my foot. And so I really got myself good. And I did the icing for the first couple, three hours. And that worked real well. And then through the first night, every two hours, I this is 48 hours ago, I was putting my comfrey oil on it. And I make it the way the gentleman that you met with last week does, where I've got just, you know, that season's a couple weeks, three weeks, maybe dried stalks, and I'm putting them in olive oil. And it's very effective. And I had my foot in a shoe today. It, that's 48 hours later, and I still have pulled bruising at the bottom of the foot, but the swelling is remarkably less than I think it probably would have been, and the pain is remarkably less, and I think it's on its way to healing in a way that it would not have been without the comfrey, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> so hats off to comfrey. It's a, it's a really tremendous herb. Um, Yay so for comfrey. Was, that's what I yeah. told him. I said, have a comfrey conference. I said, I'm sure we can find almost anyone who wants to talk about their experiences with comfrey, because almost everyone has had wonderful experiences with comfrey. Yep, it is. I, 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 I really thought the only thing I was going to do if my foot started to get worse, not go to the doctor, not go have X-rays done, was just go ahead and make some infusion from my drive comfrey and put my foot in it. And that was, I didn't have to. I actually was able to just maintain it with the oil. But there's no doubt that that herb is amazing with all of your tissues and bones. Um, so I have a question that has to do with a cat that we talked about in April, or excuse me, in January, um, and she has breast cancer. And um, we returned to the vet because the tumor is um, breaking the skin, and I was concerned. And I thought, you know, do I have to worry about infection, and, and maybe it's time to have this looked at again. Um, she is in no way impaired in her personality and her love of life and her eating and her, her, you know, her bowel movements are great and she's happy amongst other cats still. She's a very happy, curious animal still. And there doesn't seem to be any progression into her lungs. And they've told me that that's the next area that, you know, it would be a respiratory thing that would probably take her. And the vet told me when he saw her, when he was looking at the chart, he said, you know, when I saw her in January, I would have told you if you had asked about six months. And here we are like 11 months later. We're going to the first point of November. This would, would be 11 months. Um, so he was not concerned about her getting infected from having this, sort of breakthrough of the skin that's happening with the tumor on the outside of her belly. And I just was wondering, God, you know, is there anything I can do for this? What should I expect next? And and I think his expectation is she's going to die before I really have to deal with this, but she's not dying. <laughs> and, and, and the whole point of the rest of the umbrella is when we talked last, I started giving her turkey tail. I give her turkey tail every day. And I, and I was wondering, is there anything that I can do to help dissolve the tumor? I have, chickweed, but I didn't know if that was something that would work, and I have cleavers, and I didn't know if that would help her lymphatic system take it away. I don't know if there's anything that I can do. It's true. We don't know. None of us know. Even the doctors don't know. Even the doctors who have immune therapies don't really know how the immune system gets activated. We try a little of this, we try a little of that. Some things work for some people, some things work for other people, some things work for this tumor, some things work for that tumor. So, in terms I of chickweed, chickweed yeah. is renowned for removing benign growths. 
this doesn't sound like a benign growth mm-hmm. if the vet thinks it's going to metastasize to her lungs. So chickweed probably wouldn't do what you're hoping it would do. Okay. Cleavers certainly helps the lymphatic system to move, but the major difficulty we recognize with cancer is that cancer cloaks itself. In other words, neither the immune system nor the lymphatic system get it that those are cancer cells. Okay. Because if they got it, and that's what the immune therapies are designed to do, is to say, hey, wake up, look what's happening. Recognize it, yeah. Right, recognize it already. And that's why they take the cells from your own body and then put them back, you know, in a hope to say, hey, look, see what's going on in your body here. Take action now. And for some people and some cancers, it's enough. It does. And the body says, oh, my goodness, how could I have not noticed that? But not for everybody. Um, And if I wanted to experiment, and certainly this is a situation in which you could experiment, I find poke root tincture to be like an herbal chemotherapy. I've been giving her a drop of that a day. I've been giving her 20 drops of of um, the turkey tail. I've been giving mm-hmm. her chickweed because she also tends to have conjunctivitis. She tends to fight that. And I thought if her immune system is down, then that might help with that too and might dissolve exactly. the tumor. So she's getting six drops of um, chickweed tincture and she's getting one drop of poke. And she gets it in a little cup of, you know, wet food and she loves it and she gets the treat and she's just a happy You kid. might want to try increasing the poke a little. Okay. I've found, and others have found, that when there's active cancer, the body can use very large amounts of poke root tincture. Okay. Far greater amounts than can be used by someone who isn't dealing with cancer. I didn't realize that. Okay, so then it would be okay to go to, you know, I, I in, in veterinary terms, they do in milliliters, and, and 0.1 milliliter is three drops, and so I can, you know, communicate with them. I figured some of this stuff out. And um, so if I went with three drops, that would be, you know, a kitten dose of something else. But for for her as an adult cat with something as strong as poke, that she's only she's just under six pounds now. She's lost a lot of weight, so the the thin you know the cancer is taking the tumor. I think is drawing, and he said the tumor is drawing a lot off of her, and it is. Um, so cancer I don't eats, know that eats first. That's why I usually warn people against restricting their diet when they have cancer. Okay. And you you can see very clearly that the cancer is eating first. Yeah. 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 
Well, thank you. That's a that's a strategy to, you know, I, I know that I'm doing something palliative and I'm going to cross the bridge of where I have to put her down, but he said very clearly in the last week that this is not an animal I would at all recommend that you put to sleep and she's got this, you know, kind of bursting through tumor thing happening. So I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, we're going to get to a place. He said we'll probably hit a place where she's irritated by it and over-grooming it and then we have to start to think about things differently. And so... Right. I see. Well... And let's not end this conversation without talking about how comfrey can be used here. Okay. Because I've really thought about, well, if I apply that, is she just going to, you know, some of them just love the olive oil and they'll lick it right off of anything I put it on them because That's it's fine. just tasty to them. Even yeah, if you just put it on and she licks it off, it will help. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds like we came full circle. Thank you. You're welcome. Great blessings. Thanks for calling and sharing with us. And keep us in the loop so that we know what's happening. What's your name again? I will. It's Izzy. Izzy. Thank you. We we all want to know how Izzy is. Thank you. Great blessings. Good night. You too. Good night. All right. And I'll remind everyone. If you have a question for Susan, please press 1 to line yourself up in the queue. At this time, we have one caller. That is press 1 to raise their hand. And you are calling from the 630 area code. From the 630, you are live with Susan. Hey, thanks. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you? What? <laughs> are you outside? <laughs> I, think, I think I've changed my clothes three times today. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I mean, we were really warm. out in the rain. But as I said, it was nice and warm, so it's not yeah. like we were shivering. It's not like cold and wet, which is a whole sure. other beast. Yes. Just wet. Yes, it is. I know that. So I'm calling tonight because I lately have been experiencing this really intense moodiness and irritability, and it feels like it's not... It feels like more like a child version of myself coming out, and I don't really know why it's coming out now. And I'm just trying to kind of reason with it and work with it in a healthy way. Um, And ironically enough, I just moved back to my childhood town, um, and I think that that's part of it. Um, But I don't like this side of me, and it's affecting my relationships and how I interact with people. And I don't want to be pushing away the people that I love. And so I was just calling for any advice could that you, you might have on that. be a, a little clearer with me about what you're doing or experiencing? I'm a, scrabbling a little, not quite knowing what you mean. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just am getting really irritated with full and situations. And it's just this, like, negative headspace that I'm not normally in, but seems to really be taking over lately. I hear hear the words that you're saying. My difficulty is that I don't really understand what people mean by negative. Here's what Mm -hmm. I know. I know Mm -hmm. that if I go to the switch on the wall and I unscrew the cover over it and look there, I will see 
two or three wires coming out of that switch. A positive wire, a negative wire, and some switches have a grounding wire on them. Mm -hmm. The electricity that comes to that switch that allows you to have a light when you turn the switch comes in on the negative wire. If you take the negative wire off, you have no light. Hmm. That's an interesting analogy. So that's why I'm saying I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> if someone is being passive-aggressive and you are picking up on that but don't really even know what passive-aggressive is or what's going on, you're going to be irritated by it. And that is a wise and smart response. Okay. It is not negative. Okay. It may be that moving back to where you grew up there are people there who have a view of you that you no longer subscribe to and you don't like. They're putting you in that place. Mm. That could be. That could so, be. rather than put yourself down and say, I'm being negative, put yourself up and say, what is going on here that yeah. is so upsetting to yeah. me, and how can I acknowledge that it upsets me and decide whether or not I want to take any action about it. You don't necessarily have to take action about it. You can see, oh, yeah, wow, yeah, this person was, like, really creepy when we went to school together, and I didn't like the stuff they did then, and I sure don't like it now. And then I kind of felt like, oh, you know, I have to be popular girl, so I have to, like, smile and take it. And now I know I don't have to be popular girl, and so... I'm not taking it. Hmm. I like that. That sounds very powerful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it maybe is a good thing and is maybe highlighting some other things, but uh, there's this part maybe of me that is thinking that it's a bad thing, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just trying to tell me something else that I need to pay attention to. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. You don't sound like you have some hidden grievance against these people. You sound no. like someone who is reacting to something that's actually happening in your environment right now. Yeah. Okay. 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 I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Your dream blessings. Good night. Dream blessings.
Okay, and at this time we do not have any callers that have pressed one to signal that they do have a question. Um, we do have all of my dogs going crazy in the background. Apologies, everyone. Well, that's your dog. <laughs> Whose doggies are upset tonight? <laughs> yes, my husband is coming in. They are alert on that. So you're hearing the hound, the blue tick hound is going <laughs> on and on. <laughs> Uh, I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question, please do press 1 so that we know to um, bring you on to the line and you can speak live with Susan. And what would you like to do, Susan? Meanwhile, I know that people send questions by email and maybe you have one of those. I do. All right. Let me get this one out here. All right. Hi, Susan. I love, love, love your YouTubes and books. I'm a woman in my mid-60s. I eat a robust whole foods diet, well-cooked greens, dairy, meat. I drink infusions. I would like your suggestions for brain health and memory. Do you have any suggestions for activities and foods that you could recommend for Resilient mind. Thank you. We see over and over and over again that people who eat more fish remember better, are sharper mentally. I personally make it a point to feed the apprentices fish for dinner once a week. That's minimum. I myself would generally make it my goal to eat fish three to five times a week. I was a little startled reading an article actually about something else which just mentioned kind of casually in passing that something like 87% of people over the age of 65 who go under anesthesia suffer some level of mental impairment from it. That's a pretty high number. It was certainly one of the things that worried me about going under anesthesia and being under for such a long time, and yet I can honestly say that I don't perceive any mental impairment, any interference with my memory, or any particular problem that has been caused by that. And I think it has to do with those kinds of things. I know that not just fish, but also berries have a solid reputation for helping to keep us mentally sharp and expand that definition of berries, not just blueberries and strawberries and raspberries and blackberries, but elderberries and hawthornberries and omelaberries and Oregon grapeberries. 
there are a lot of dark purple berries and not even leave out currants. I hear you, currants. All right? So that you can do your best again to see to it that there's some good berries in your diet on a regular basis, at least once a week to have a serving of berries. Again, you're doing such a good job with your diet. It's not like I'm telling you things that you don't know, and I'm sure that you probably already eat fish and berries. And there was somebody looking at my refrigerator the other day and trying to figure out this chart that I have on the refrigerator. And it's a chart that I put there so that I can look at it all the time and keep reminding myself of what's on this chart. And it's a chart from the Center for Science in the Public Interest, CSPI.org. So what they did, kind of interesting, they took some nutrients that they think are really important. Lutein, vitamin K, vitamin C, potassium, fiber, other carotenes and carotenoids, folate, calcium, iron, and magnesium. And they looked at the recommended daily intake, the RDI, for each one of those things. And then they used that to make a score for the food as eaten. So, we're going to um, look at the basically the same amount of food, and they counted each nutrient equally. For example, a serving of cooked kale, each is a serving, has 141% of the RDI for lutein, and 50% for other carotenoids, plus 296% for vitamin K, 17% for vitamin C, 14% for folate, 12% for fiber, 10% for calcium, 5% magnesium, 4% iron, 3% for potassium, for a total score of 552 points per serving. Do you understand how they got that? Are we still connected, Sarah? Yeah. Uh, were you asking me directly? Yes, I do. I, yes, I, I was asking I you. Is that, is that an understandable? Yeah, makes sense to me. Explanation of it. Okay. So we can look here. The very top food here is mustard greens with a total score of 975. And... One of the lowest scores is shiitake mushrooms at 26. Wow. Carrots at 398. Yeah, carrots. Eggplant at 20. 
So I find this a useful list to look at. It really helps me when I see, oh, one serving of romaine lettuce, 339. One serving of iceberg lettuce, 53. Whoa. Wow. Lettuce is not just lettuce. <laughs> lettuce is not just lettuce. of raw watercress is 458. Now, I would challenge that because I'm not sure that you're really going to get those carotenes from the raw watercress, but it's in there. So, just just so you know, the ones that are under 50 are jicama, potato with the skin, beets, radishes, rutabaga, corn, cucumber, turnips, shiitake mushrooms, portobello, onions, white mushrooms, eggplant, and spaghetti squash. And the ones that are over 200 are mustard greens, spinach, Swiss chard, turnip greens, collard greens, beet greens, kale, radicchio, watercress, carrots, broccoli, durabe, sweet potato, pumpkin canned, romaine lettuce, red leaf lettuce, green leaf lettuce, butternut squash, arugula, broccoli, endive, Brussels sprouts, escarole, and butter lettuce. Mm. And, of course, there's a bunch of in-betweens. But that, I mean, it's pretty clear there that the superstar list is mostly leafy greens. And when we start to go, oh, whoa, nettle is a leafy green. Yeah, comfrey is a leafy green. We're drinking this stuff. It's better than any powdered superfood, you can get these nourishing herbal infusions. And one of the things that really thrilled me when I started doing research about polyphenols was that polyphenols are pretty stable. And they're found in things like green tea. So, yes, when you make an infusion with boiling water, you still get the polyphenols. Cool, huh? Very cool. Infusions are marvelous. They just, oh, wow, they're so nourishing and invigorating in so many ways. Have any of our lights lit up? Um, we actually it, did. Just, uh, we have another question. Yep, we have another email question, but we do have a caller that just queued in by pressing 1. Let's see. Our caller is calling from the 512 area code. From the 512, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi, what's up? Hi. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I was connected. Um, So I called... uh, last week and at the end of my time on the phone with you I um asked about rosemary tincture and you suggested that I um uh 
maybe just spend some time with her. Uh, you know, I, I just was kind of actually wanting to know if maybe you could uh, elaborate on ways to get to know a plant better. Um, the ideas I had since I made the tincture were to maybe do one of the things that I really enjoyed when I was in, um, I took some classes here at the Wildflower School for Botanical Medicine a few years back, and we would do a Materia Medica uh, segment every so often where we would uh, have a preparation of a plant um, of one form or another, either a tea or a tincture infusion, and then we would just put a couple of drops on our tongue or something, you know, like that, or sip a, you know, small amount of tea and just sort of look for the cues in our bodies. Um, and uh, I always felt really sensitive to that. Um, you know, we would kind of go over uh, ways that the plant may help you after everybody did that, and I felt like, generally speaking, I was you know, I, I was real sensitive to the parts of the body that maybe would be affected by consuming the plant. Um, but, uh, and then maybe just like sitting with um, with her, uh, um, you know, and maybe just kind of listening to the messages I get. I, you know, was also real sensitive with that when we would do plant sets and um, I would just like have a pen and paper and write down um, messages from the plants. And I remember I was sitting next to chamomile and not really, uh, I mean, I think I wrote three pages or something, you know, just sitting next to um, a large plant um, at the uh, botanical center where we were taking our classes. But I was just curious if you could maybe elaborate on ways that you could, you know, do that or if, if that's kind of what you meant or what you would suggest. I think those are all excellent things to do, and I'm glad that you have those and that you know how to do them. One of my favorite things to do is to breathe with the plant. After all, the oxygen I'm breathing comes from the plants, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And in a very real way, yes? Yes, definitely. And I have against getting messages from the plants or any of that, although I will admit that in my experience of teaching people to communicate with plants, that approximately 90% of what people say they get from plants is projections. Mm-hmm. And not something that's actually come from the plant, but something that the person is projecting onto the plant. Um, it can be pretty difficult to really distinguish. Um, but generally, what I can say is you can tell if you've actually gotten something from the plant because you go, really? I never would have thought that. Yeah, Okay. Right, if what you're writing is, yeah, uh-huh, that's right, uh-huh, and I, that, that looks right, then that's probably not the plant, it's probably you. It's a little different when you're doing what you're talking about in terms of feeling your body's responses 
to certain plants. Um, I'm wondering what the point of taking a tiny bit of it is. It seems to me that if we're trying to figure out what our body's response to the plant is, that we take it in ever-increasing doses, noticing what's happening and how that changes as we increase the dose. Mm-hmm. Once again, just taking a little bit is a wide open field for projection because there's so little of the plant being used that most of what's going to come up is just inner mind stuff and nothing actually from the plant. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're breathing with the plant, simply impossible to do anything other than actually breathe with the plant, isn't it? Right, yeah. <clears throat> like that's actually happening, right? You're actually breathing. With that plant, you are actually exhaling carbon dioxide, and that plant is actually really and truly taking that carbon dioxide in to its own physical being and chucking out oxygen that you, your body is taking in, Right. Yes. So to me, that's the ultimate way of being in touch with the plant and of getting past my own tendency to project myself onto the world. It's a very human tendency to project ourselves onto the world. Nothing wrong with it. But mm-hmm. if I want to hear from the plants, I need to get past it. Okay, so when you say ever-increasing dosages, would it be sort of like with motherwort, how I might take um, 10 drops of motherwort tincture in some water and then, um, you know, go from there? Or would you, would it be more like that? Any any amount that you want to start with and increasing Mm -hmm. amount. I often tell the story of when I didn't have any idea of how much poke to take, but I put one drop of poke in a cup of water and took a teaspoon of that water. And since I didn't die, the next day I took a tablespoon of the water and I still didn't die. So then I threw caution to the winds and drank half a cup of the water. And again, when I didn't die, then I took a full drop, one one whole drop. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the plant, you know, how dramatic you think the plant is going to be where you start. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Every plant you start with one drop, every plant you start with ten drops. And I have always delighted in the things that come to people when they sit and breathe with plants. Uh, One of my favorites is a a apprentice who chose Leonora's Cardiaca to sit with, and she had no idea what the regular name or the common name of that plant was. And she asked me what the name of her plant that she was breathing with, her green ally, was. And I said, you have to ask the plant, not me. And so when it came time for her to give her report, on her ally, she told us that she had asked the plant, 
and the plant told her that its name was Hands from the Heart. And everyone who knows and loves Mother Wart, Leonora's Cardiaca, who hears that name, tears up and says, oh my goodness, it's like that's the true name of the plant. That's not a projection. That's something that truly came from the plant. Mm-hmm. Do you feel it? Can you feel how your body feels, how your psyche feels? That's what you're looking uh, for. That's that sensation of awe, that sensation of wonder. And then all the other okay. things you're doing, are, all the other things you're doing are great things. There's nothing wrong with those things. Do those things too. Well, I haven't. Unfortunately, we had that snowstorm here in Texas um, that actually, uh, it my rosemary plant didn't make it through that. But um, I'm planning on going to the nursery and getting another uh, seedling, and you know. Um, bringing it home and just uh, trying to maybe familiarize myself with with it a little bit more. Um, I guess you know I had learned things like that it um, uh, was actually very healing for the heart. I guess that might be folklore. I'm not really sure where that came from, but that was from one of the classes that I took where. Uh, the girl that was teaching it was... Here's the difference between folklore and herbal medicine. Uh Folklore says this plant is good for this, but it doesn't tell you what part of the plant, when you harvest it, how you prepare it, or what the dose is. Yeah. That's That's the difference between herbal medicine (laughs) and folklore. They are very, very similar, but in herbal medicine, you actually get the goods... So you can mm-hmm. use it and replicate it. And in folklore, you just get something that you think is the goods, but it's like somebody who says, oh, yeah, go to the corner, turn left, you can't miss it. And as soon as you hear them say you can't miss it, you know you're going to miss it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what spawned the question, too, was just because I think that's what prompted me to make the tincture. And I mean, we just needed to cut it back because it had gotten really large. And so I um, made the tincture thinking that it had beneficial, um, you know, uh, medicinal value. uh, But uh, I just really don't know what that is and I mean also there's just research I can you know research it more but there's just a lot of that kind of I I was uh, at the uh, class on colds and flus Uh, we were really enjoying the rosemary honey yeah and I love making I've made that before too I really I love making herbal and juicing that's actually what I made for my class project when we graduated (laughs) I did a bunch of was rosemary honey honey (laughs) And I made for my mom, who had a lot of rosemary where she lived in Southern California, rosemary vinegar that she adored. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love making the vinegars. They're really, I love the vinegars because I can eat it, and so that's, you get that's the culinary what I was about yeah. to say. And the great thing with the vinegar is now it's part of your diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, and we what happens is when you make the tincture, now you've made something that's more like more like a drug. It's not a drug, but it's more like a drug. Because you put yeah. it in alcohol, so you, now you're not going to put it in your food. Mm-mm. No, so I don't be, know what to do so with it. It becomes <laughs> a little, just a little trickier to know exactly how you want to use it, and that's okay because a tincture will last for a long, long time. So you have a long, long time to figure it out. Okay. So, but there is, I mean, you, there is a reason to tincture rosemary, I guess. I mean, like people there do must that. Yeah. Because you did it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, and as I say, it's pretty hard to go wrong with herbal medicine. Yeah. So just trust that you have that, and that you'll be pursuing with rosemary, your new rosemary. Right. How you, how you might use that tincture, and that maybe you maybe you're not going to be using it right now. Maybe it was like her, because I have experience. The plants really know when they're going to die, and they know way ahead that they're going to die. And that she very well could have known that and said, "I, I want to give you something that's going to take you a while to figure out." Okay. Yeah, that makes it seem more interesting, I guess, actually, <laughs> when you put it like that. So, I mean, you know, like, um, yeah, I'm sure there is something that I will find that I can do with it. That, right, and meanwhile, um, you'll have rosemary honey and you'll have rosemary vinegar and you will interact with rosemary in those wonderful ways and you'll have your secret rosemary tincture waiting for the day when it's time for her to shine. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to kind of uh, go into that a little bit more with me. You're welcome. I'm so glad you called. Green blessings. Good night. All right. Green blessings. Thank you. Good night. All right, we have another listener that has pressed one to signal that they have a question calling from the 85 area code from the 845. You are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. I was hoping it was you. How have you been? I fell on my head today. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah. uh, I hope it was not far that you fell. Well, um, I was very lucky. I sh- I should have not worn the shoes that slid on the step that I took, and I fell backwards and hit my head. And um, I think I was enormously lucky that this transition was covered by wood, not by cement. So I I fell backwards on on this plank of 
of wood, and uh, I and that's what happened. And uh, my daughter said, "Shall I take you to the hospital?" She knows I don't like to go there. I said, "No, I didn't break anything. I'm just in pain. I know when I break, it hurts." And even then, I didn't go. I waited until it got fixed alone. So uh, I wanted to ask you if um, there is anything that I can... Yes, I, I had a little shock. I realized that. I got a terrible headache. And then uh, I called three people who prayed for me, and I cried a little, and I felt better. And uh, after that, I wanted to rest, and I couldn't rest. And uh, then I thought maybe I call you and you give me some good ideas. The star of the show tonight has been Comfrey. And here we have another wonderful place where Comfrey can shine. So you'll have to decide what the best way for you to get some comfrey on your noggin would be. I drink comfrey. And, you know. <laughs> I drink comfrey. You already drink it. And yeah. now you're going to take some of the plant material from yeah. what you drink. And you're yeah. going to somehow get it on your head. I, I mean, after I make the tea, I, t- I take the... the after after tea. you make the infusion, exactly, after you make the infusion, you're going to take the comfrey leaves from the infusion uh-huh. and put them on your head. Oh, okay. However you want, however that works for you, however you want to do that, maybe that's, you know, when you wash your hair, uh, before you do that, you're going to sit there, you know, with the... Uh, Comfrey poultice on your head, and then you'll go wash hair and wash it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, of course, the difficulty always with compresses and poultices. This is, they're somewhat messy. And especially if we have to poultice or compress our head. But um, even once or twice, I think, will make a noticeable difference for you. Mm-hmm. How long shall I keep it on me? have to be on really long half an hour is plenty yeah that's yeah and, you know, and the chapter, chapter a chapter in a book or about that amount of time right uh-huh all right i'll do that yeah also i'm remembering um md who told the story about a young man that fell on his head. Actually, this young man was attempting to kill himself. He did a really poor job of it. He jumped off a bridge, and he totally missed the water, and he landed on land on his head. Oh, my. The doctor was taking care of him, and he had the brilliant idea, or and I would agree with him, that it was a pretty brilliant idea, that what this young man needed was skull caps. Because he had a problem with his skull. Mm-hmm. And 
and he felt that it was very beneficial for him. So maybe you want to get some Skullcap and try out a couple of drops of Skullcap. It can be kind of sleep-inducing, so it's the classic thing that you say, oh, don't use this if you're driving heavy machinery. But I don't think you generally do that. I don't drive, period. (laughs) I know. So (laughs) So you don't have to worry. But I usually suggest that the first time you take Skullcap, that you take it in the evening or sometime where it wouldn't be a disaster if you actually went to sleep. No, no, if I go to sleep, it's very good because I don't sleep greatly lately. But I make it like an infusion, like all the other teas, or...? No, you buy the tincture of skullcap. Oh, the tincture. Okay. Tincture of fresh skullcap. You could try it as a tea. I don't find it very Mm sleep-inducing as a tea, but but very sleep-inducing as a tincture. Mm -hmm. Um, And I certainly know that some people have used it as a tea. Um, I'm not sure that I would use it as an infusion. Mm-hmm. So I'd re- if I was going to make a tea, I would really just make a tea with just a teaspoon brewed for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, kind of feel into um, is Skullcap something that is going to be helpful for you right now. I usually carry it with me when I'm out, especially out doing physically active things because for me it acts as a really good pain reliever. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. So, right, if I'm out whitewater rafting, I have my skull cap tincture with me. If I'm, you know, doing something where I can get injured, I'm going to have my skull cap tincture with me. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's my nervous system. I got some passion flower tincture from uh, the Herba Farm because uh, the uh, the Saint John Ward somehow doesn't agree with me, or I don't agree with it. And uh, I wanted to ask you if it's written that it calms the nerves, and if if that's that's a good thing to use. I love Passiflora. She's mm-hmm. a wonderful plant. I, it, to me, Passiflora gives one the heart of a large-winged bird. You know that that song about the the long wings of the heart. Spreading my long wing feathers as I fly. Spreading my long wing feathers as I fly. A circle around, a circle around the boundless universe. So to me, that's Passiflora. Mm-hmm. Is that it opens the wings of the heart. Oh, I need that. I mean, I take mother work. Ever since you told me, and I keep taking it. And uh, Hawthorne. 
Yay, motherwort. Yay, Hawthorne. And hooray for Passiflora, too. All just so loving and so there for us in so many ways for our hearts. I want to tell you that I am taking only half of the medication I was given because my blood pressure went under and uh, I didn't want to make my own decision again. So I called the doctor and uh, I said, it goes under 100, don't you think it's too much? And I was taking a minimal dose and it was reduced to half. And now I have a blood pressure of 140, but I feel better. Yay! I'm so glad. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's how I navigated through that horrible time of dizziness and all whatever. Yes, yes, that was so difficult. Oh, thank you, yes. The, the, the teas and the tinctures and your good advice kept me on a straight path. Thank you. And your good care of yourself. You are just such a shining example to everyone of maintaining good care of yourself even when the going gets rough. Thank That's you. That's right. And I'm not and I'm not vaccinated. So just imagine how many people are afraid that I work around contaminating them. (laughs) You know, I have the mask on for two years now, so I didn't get any disease. I didn't get the flu. I didn't get coughing. I didn't get anything. (laughs) I said the mask is my medication. Mask is your medication. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And okay. Thank you. Great blessings. Good night. Good night, Susan. All right. We've got about a little over three minutes before our guest joins us. I do not see her on the line just yet. Um, we do have another email question if you would like to hear that. Sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. My dog is 14 and is in great health other than arthritis in his hips and spine. He is 72 pounds, and some days he has stiffness that makes getting up from the floor look like a bit of work. I've heard that poke fairies are useful in reducing inflammation and wonder what you think about giving frozen berries as long as he does not chew them, maybe in a gelatin capsule. Also, if it is okay to try, how many and how often for a 72-pound dog? Many things. Well, we were talking about Jonna's husband who said, who weighs certainly at least twice that, um, who was taking two or three fresh berries a day. Putting things in gelatin capsules tends to make them more poisonous partly because the body doesn't get a chance 
to actually taste what is being put into the digestive system. So when the gelatin capsule finally melts, the body preferentially looks for any poisons and draws those out. So you're far more likely to be harmed by putting a poisonous thing in a gelatin capsule than just by simply giving your body a chance to recognize that you've just taken something. Now, as anti-inflammatories go, poke berries are pretty good and certainly have nothing against them. Um, They do, in every instance I've heard of, need to be used fresh. I've used dried poke berries. I took some dried poke berries once and they're pretty darn psychedelic. It's usually okay if you give an animal something really psychedelic because they're kind of out there anyhow and they don't drive heavy machinery but if you do that and you notice your dog acting really weird that could be what's going on linden is of course one of my favorite anti-inflammatories and a very safe anti-inflammatory and one that is often well liked by animals How are we doing on our guest appearing? Oh, let's see. I do not see Corey in the queue yet. Okay. So shall we go on to another question then? Um, let's see. I actually, I don't have another email question handy in front of me. Um, oh, how wonderful. I, oh, the <laughs> world is, is, is healed. There are no further problems. Yay! <laughs> Blessed be. Blessed um, be, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hooray. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Um, if, you know, if Tori jumps in, I can let you know. But if we have a couple minutes, I'd love for you to run through something again for me and maybe for the listeners would be interested as well. <clears throat> Um, and that is the um, four feeling twins. If you would be so kind as to the, the four through. feeling twins from Let Go and Live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Robin Rose Bennett, who is apprentice number seven and more than 300 graduated apprentices now, so that was a little time ago, <clears throat> um, came here from doing work with a program known as Let Go and Live. And she was sharing with us some of the ideas and the concepts that she had learned in Let Go and Live. And I was very taken with this idea of the feeling twins because it helped me give people something to do that help them to understand what a very bad idea the golden rule is. And what's the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, it sounds pretty good on the surface of it, but really, the fact of the matter is, and this is where we get into big trouble with relationships, most people don't want to be treated the way we want to be treated, and they don't want to treat us the way we want to be treated. They want to treat us the way they want to be treated. So it just doesn't work. So the feeling twins in the program Let Go and Live 
help us to understand for ourselves what our primary emotional motivation is. The idea is that at some time during or immediately after your birth, you kind of took a take on the world. Hello, world. Who are you? And you made a key decision at that point to adopt as your own one of the four feeling twins. The feeling twins are good enough, not good enough. Deprived, abundant. Betrayed, trustworthy, and abandoned, safe. Now, the fact of the matter is that we can run into difficulty with being good enough, and we can run into difficulty with having abundance and being in a situation that is trustworthy and um feeling safe but it's kind of hard to imagine like I laughed this year I said now there's the peach tree having a hard time with abundance because the peach tree fell over because it was so abundant right Aww. <laughs> yes. right so really we can have problems with that part of the feeling twins but let's face it we hardly ever do or somebody might even be saying I'd like to be so lucky as to have a problem with abundance so for shorthand we call the feeling twins deprived, betrayed, abandoned, and not good enough. Because those are the parts of the feeling twins that are probably going to give us problems. You can't tell by looking at somebody or even by talking to somebody which feeling twin they have chosen to be theirs. Now, I am not saying that if you have chosen, say for instance, um, not good enough, that you can't feel abandoned or betrayed or deprived. You can feel those things, but they're not going to strike you in the same, this is life or death, mm-hmm. as your primary feeling twin is. So that's one of the ways that you can kind of figure out which of these for feeling twins is your choice and that is look at what you never want anyone else to experience when I understood this concept I then understood why um, a relationship I was in that person never that I really cared about them because they were not good enough, and not good enough hardly even counts in my book. It's just incomprehensible to me that anyone could feel not good enough. Wow. And so I spent no time at all telling them that they were wonderful, because of course they were. Mm. The way that I found that out was that they 
told me it because we talked about the feeling twins, and they were able to say, oh, this is my feeling twin. They went, aha, now I begin to understand. So you can say, what don't I want anybody else to experience? Because, of course, if it's our feeling twin, it's like unbearable, and so we don't want anybody else to have to experience that. Mm -hmm. And we can also kind of figure it out the other way around. This is it. It's all over. It's not going any further. It, this is this is the end, for sure. Absolute. Hmm. All right. I am not hearing you, Susan. If you're there, maybe you pressed mute or your call has dropped. All right. Um, sorry, everyone. And let's see if our guest has joined the queue. Uh, we do not see Tori here yet either. Susan, if you are listening or if you can hear us, we cannot hear you. All right. Let's see what we can do here to get Susan back on the line. All right, everyone. I apologize. I am not able to connect with Susan at this moment. Um, Susan, if you can hear us, please um, try to dial back in. We cannot hear you at this time. Uh, let's see here, everyone. Uh, while we wait for Susan to dial back in, um, I am going to read a little bit from Abundantly Well. So let's see, just opening to a page here, and happens to be page 28, Grandmother Growth. And diagnosis is a story on page 29. So we'll start there. Diagnosis is a story. Story medicine is a diagnosis. Step one is about choosing a story to guide us in our quest for health, wholeness, and holiness. And step one is about sharing the story of our quest. When we have a problem, we want to know what is wrong with us. We want a story about it. We want to tell someone we trust about our problem. Sometimes the act of telling our story solves our problem. More often, it predicates our treatment. A wise diagnostician will arrive at a differential diagnosis by listening, looking, feeling, intuiting and reasoning. Many alternative, complementary, integrative health workers know and use non-invasive diagnostic techniques, keeping you safely in step one, away from the temptations of step six. Seeker and healer alike, we are tempted to look deeper, no more. Find out at any cost, flirt with danger. All right, and of course, my dogs are going to queue up at this time. Susan, we still cannot hear you, so if you can call back in or um, unmute your phone and see if we can get you back on the line. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to go back to reading from Abundantly Well and Story Medicine. Seeker and healer alike, we are tempted to look deeper, to know more, 
to find out at any cost, to flirt with danger. Step six, high-tech diagnostics, such as biopsies, x-rays, MRIs, CAT scans, exploratory surgery. They invade, they harm, they poison, they damage, they maim, and may even kill us. These diagnostic tools provide useful, rational, science-based stories about our problems, but they are not the whole truth. Our DNA partakes of quantum reality, where truth is unquantifiable. Insofar as we accept science as truth and view intuition as mere story, we miss half the information available to us, the wisdom half. For the richest story, we need both halves. Diagnose us, the story of our problems. It affects how our health is in powerful ways. Accepting the stories of our doctors and our culture without question can cure our problems, but far too often the cure ruins our health and leaves us in chronic pain or in need of daily drugs or in deep emotional distress. For abundant health, we often need to question the popular story, diagnosis, or protocol. Each person, each problem, and each situation is unique. There is a unique story that nourishes the health, wholeness, holiness of that person with that problem in that situation. And that is just a taste of story medicine. Also in step one, Accessing wisdom. Access wisdom from your body. Access wisdom with your feelings. Access wisdom via intuition. Access wisdom in dream time. Access wisdom using altered states of consciousness. Access the wisdom of your inner artist. Trust the ancient wisdom in your bones, in your blood, in your DNA. Access wisdom with an oracle. Access wisdom with portents. Access wisdom through clairvoyance, intuitive, and medical astrologers. Access wisdom by listening to your guides. Let divination be part of your diagnosis. Like Isis, who gathered the dismembered parts of her beloved, Gather all the parts of your gather all the parts of your story. Wholeness, health, holiness is complex. It is chaotic and contradictory. Allow yourself to accept your contradictions, accept your chaos, and accept your complexity. Mind is uneasy with psyche. Order abhors chaos. Orthodox unmeasurable individual, unique wisdom, and warns us, rightly, against superstition, wishful thinking, and false hope. As foolish as it would be to ignore information and decide from wisdom alone, it is more foolish, I believe, to decide only from information, ignoring wisdom. Be open. Be skeptical. Create health, wholeness, holiness, with both sides of the brain, medical facts and intuitive truth. All right, let's see. I think we have Susan back here with us. Ah, at last, yay. (laughs) Uh, Yay, okay, yay. Yes, 
They had a little lightning strike and it knocked everything out. Sorry. Oh, apologies. And your old number, your old call is still lit up, and you're not on that. So your number is appearing twice here in the queue. So, wow. Isn't like that the cat's pajamas? Oh, my. <laughs> Woo! I mean, finally, finally have achieved a goal of mine to be in two places at once. Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> And I take oh, it that I take it that Tori Hartman hasn't shown up. She has not shown up. I'm happy to try to bring her on the line. Um, now that you're back, it's up to now you. Now that I'm here, let's see if we can ring her up and get her here. All right, I will disappear for a moment if you want to go on chatting with everyone. Oh, I, I well, actually, I was talking about the Feeling Twins, so I could talk a little more about the Feeling Twins while you're doing that. Okay, great. I'll try to add Tori right now. Thank you. Um, so we were talking about um, how we can't decide for someone else what their feeling twin is. That we can look at ourselves and we can see uh, which of these things we don't want others to experience. And that will give us a big hint as to which one is our feeling twin. And we can also, um, I think when I was cut off, I was just about to say, uh, when this is it, you're going to be down, you're going to be dirty, the relationship is over, and there's no holes barred, and you're just going to, like, be as mean as you possibly can, do the worst possible thing. What is that worst possible thing? What's the worst possible thing that you think you can do to somebody? Do you betray them? Do you uh, throw all their stuff out in the street? Do you – what, what do you do? Do you tell them what a rotten person they are? Look at that how you act when you're really trying to hurt someone. And we all have times when we have done that. And that will also give you a lot of information about which of these four feeling twins is the one that is most important to you. Now, we don't stop there. You might think, okay, well, now that we figured out which one it is, then we're going to change it. No, you can't change it. In fact, the whole point of uh, this program is that you can't change what your feeling twin is. It is your feeling twin. And you decided on it a long, long time ago. And it's not going to change. Sorry. That it just is what it is. But what you want is a mentor of your feeling twin. And that mentor is someone who succeeded because of being whatever your feeling twin is. So my feeling twin is deprived. You can tell. I always try to make sure there's abundance. And my mentor is Peace Pilgrim, a woman who decided to own nothing. Wow. I'm back with you. I was not successful in being able to connect with Tori. It um, seems like you weren't able to get her. Oh, how disappointing. Yeah. Yes. Have you ever heard of Peace Pilgrim? Um, I have heard you mention that, but I couldn't. Heard you mention her, but she's not. She's not so well known nowadays. For a while, she was fairly well known because it was such a an amazing thing that she was doing, and she was walking for peace after her children were grown. And I don't know what happened to her husband. He died or somehow he disappeared from the scene. And so she did a little walk and she got good response to it. And she said, that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And literally sold everything. She owned the shoes on her feet, 
the pants on her bottom, the top on her top, and that was it. That's all she she didn't know where she was sleeping, where she was going to eat. She had nothing. And so when I'm really freaking out about being deprived, I say, Peace Pilgrim, I need your help. Wow. Not because she will convince me that I shouldn't feel deprived, but she will convince me that feeling deprived is excellent. Mm. Wow. My, my, my sweetheart's um, feeling twin is not good enough. And his mentor is a Japanese baseball pay player, Saduharu O, who has hit more home runs, I'm told, than any other baseball player, living or dead. And he did it all by being not good enough. He stands on one foot when he hits the ball. Wow. I love that. Right. <laughs> and of course, there's a whole long story, you know, that he was in and out of the major leagues and da da da, and everybody's trying to get him to keep his feet on the ground and da da da. And finally, he, you know, in despair, decides that he can't be a baseball player, and he goes out to study with some Japanese master, who, of course, says to him, "You must be as you are, and then you will be great, exactly as you are." And that's what I love about the feeling twins, is that this is not, here's how you're wrong, and you need to change and be perfect, but here's how you are, and love how you are. Because that, to me, is the essence of the wise woman way. That, of course, change is possible. Of course we can change. I'm not against change. But you don't have to change. It's not required to change. You're just fine the way you are. Oh, love that. I really do. Thanks for going over those twins again. You are welcome. Thank you to Let Go and Live for uh, giving me that idea. Of course, there are other programs and other books and so on that have similar ideas. One um, that someone brought here that I know about is called The Five Languages of Love. And it's another thing kind of along the same lines, which is not everyone has the same love language. And if you want to love someone, you need to find out from them, because you can't guess, what their love language is. For some people, getting a gift is a love language. For some people... Having help is a love language. For some people, uh, being told that you're beautiful is a love language. Have someone that you love want to be loved. To me, this is a remarkable and wonderful idea for us to share with each other. That we experience life differently and that we, when we can know ourselves honestly and share ourselves honestly with others, it's much easier to get love in the flavor we want. Yeah. Yeah. I I love learning about the feeling twins from you. And it's been so helpful in just allowing me to be myself and understand and accept it in wholeness and at the same time 
appreciate that the golden rule is just out the window and appreciate that not everybody thinks that way. Because I'm like what you said with the not good enough. I would say that'd be my feeling twin. So just to know how different your description is in coming into contact with a past lover who was not good enough and that was so foreign to you. Yet for me, that's so much, oh, the heart of every worry or concern if I have to second guess myself. Um, It's just so fascinating. So it's been so deepening to hear just those four feeling twins and exist in more spaces than just my own in terms of understanding the the complexities of everyone. So it's so beautiful, so helpful. And especially I think in family dynamics, if, if the family member is willing to share with you which feeling twin they are, then for me sometimes it's been helpful I don't take it personally as, oh, they're doing that because I'm not good enough. No, that's coming from their own twin, and we are able to understand each other so much better, um, having kind of shared those aspects about us of kind of where we're coming from with our, our twin feelings. Yeah, with the feeling twins, right? And again, um, it, it's not that if your feeling twin is not good enough that you'll never feel betrayed and you'll never feel abandoned and you'll never feel deprived. You'll feel those things, of course. They're just not going to have that same life or death, earth-shattering kind of feeling to you. And then you mentor and you start to embrace that. And then if you want to, if you're curious, I was, you can ask your mom, if she's still alive, about your birth. And, I, you know, we were talking about Mickey and his being not good enough. And when he was working with the figuring out what his feeling twin was, um, so he said to his mom, tell me about my birth. And she said, oh, dear. Well, you know, they knocked me out. And then they had to pull you out with forceps. And I guess you were kind of hard to get out because they mushed up your head. And when Mm. they brought me my baby, my baby was all bruised and his head was all bent out of shape and distorted. And I looked at my baby and I said, you're not good enough, but I love you. Oh. Wow. Wow. I mean, those are the actual words she said to him. She said at that point, you know, and he just went, I see. (laughs) Yeah. Not good enough. Not good enough, and I love you. Wow. Wow. So interesting. Well, I was a high force out, so I I was also had to be forced out, so I got that part in common. Yep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my gosh. We often say to the apprentices, the primary reason that talk therapy doesn't work is that really the major decisions you made in your life, you made before you could speak. Mm. Wow. And you can't talk yourself out of them. Because you didn't talk yourself into them. Yeah. 
Yeah, so true. The way of wholeness is so much better. Live deep into them and embrace them. Get to know them. Get to know them. Get to know who you are. It's okay. It's you. And it's going to be a little different from that person over there. And wow, how exciting, how much fun that we're different. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, here we are at the very last few minutes of the show. I guess we need to ask each other what we want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's listening. Mm. Wow. Well, I will just say in the words of a very, very wise, blessed woman who left her physical earth walk a week and a half ago, love is everything. Oh. That is a beautiful thread in the reweaving of the healing cloak of the ancients. It will keep us warm and it will keep us invigorated. Thank you, Sarah Ellen. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Justine. Thank you, everyone, for restoring herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings and Enjoy Halloween, the Day of the Dead, the thinning of the veil, and make a heart-to-heart connection with someone who's gone on and see what they have to tell you in your dreams. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.